Blog Talk Radio. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the SBP, your home for all the craziness. Man, talking sports is our thing, but we also talk hip-hop, television, and movies. Yeah, we're just a little different. And as always, we bring to you another podcast where we talk about what's hot. Like I say, it's usually sports and nothing hotter than what's been transpiring this past week, even in the last 24 hours. Um, but before I do that, you know, being your boy Prime, I don't do this thing by myself. I got my boy Source. Source, what up, homie? Prime, we good money in the building, feeling good, looking good. Had to crack open my Father's Day Samuel Adams cherry wheat to get this thing what? started. Happy Father's Day to you, my brother. Yeah, happy Father's Day to you and to all the fathers out there whenever you listen to this podcast. Hopefully it'll be today. Ain't a lot popping off today unless you got uh, some activities popping off with the family. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Happy Father's Day to you, brother. Hey, man, look, I know you got to be happy. First of all, you popping open that, hey, that you said you got cherry wheat over there? Huh? Yes, sir. I got that Samuel Adams cherry wheat popping off over here. You know, that's one of my favorites. Okay, okay. And you starting early, see. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you told me I was starting early, bro. You starting early today, like super early. Like, we <laughs> were like this that. thing like, like early. I'm not mad at you because I'll probably, within the hour, will be doing the exact same thing. So I ain't mad at you whatsoever. And as always, before we get into the first topic, which I'm pretty sure everybody knows what it's going to be, we invite you to join our Facebook group, the Sports Bar Podcast. You can always catch us there. Uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Shout out to all the new members. We've had quite a few over the past couple of weeks. So y'all keep adding people if you're already in the group. If you ain't in it, Get in it, bring your folks with you. The Sports Bar Podcast, man. But what a Father's Day gift for you and Laker Nation source. The AD trade looks like it's about to go down. It's been announced that they have agreed to terms. And the Brow will be joining the King in L.A. How about that? How about that? Catch me outside. The Staples Center. How about that? <laughs> Yo. So shout out to my man. My man Lonnie B just had the uh, the annual Michael Jackson Prince mash uh, mashup party called A King and a Prince. As you yep. just mentioned, the L.A. Lakers have just combined the King and the Brow. Boy, what you mean? What you mean, man? Okay, what nobody <laughs> say, Brown. I don't care what nobody say. They could have took everybody. I told you during the summer, they could have taken everybody. They could have everybody. Just let me get AD with LeBron, and we'll figure it out from there. It didn't even go down like that, Brian. It didn't even go down like that. The Lakers actually were able to hold on to Kyle Kuzma. That's a big deal for me. And and only, I say only, only gave up Lonzo Ball. Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks. I'm not mad at all. That's crazy. That's crazy. And it's like you look. Like, we, we look at that the deal couldn't get done 
um, earlier in the season, and we know about the whole magic debacle and 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 everything that they were offering. Pretty much the whole you know the whole squad plus Jeannie Buss's shoe collection, and it didn't get done then. Now you peel it back a little bit. Like you said, you gave away Lonzo, gave away Brandon, and you gave away Josh Hart. What was it? Three first round picks. Three. Yeah, so three first round picks. One of them will be, of course, uh, this coming week actually during the draft. But then they got a couple of yeah. more, and I'm sitting there looking like, bruh, these cats gonna still have draft picks by the time little Bronny Jr. is on his second. Uh, NBA All-Star team, you know what I'm saying? Like, that joint is crazy. Like, what a deal, what a deal. And I know you had to be happy, and the cats on the Facebook page had me tripping because Laker Nation, they got kind of quiet for a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Now, you can't keep them off the page. We got thread after thread, post after post. (laughs) I'm like, man, let them have it. I get from the car yesterday. I, I leave work. I saw all the posts on our page. I get to the spot to sit back because I wanted to watch a little college baseball action. Florida State was playing yesterday. Grabbed the cold beer. Right. The whole ride took, between the, the ride to the to the spot, and by the time I sat down to get my first beer, it was about 30 minutes. I come back to the baseball page, uh, Facebook page after Shorty gives me my first 22-ounce. Man, I'm seeing like moms and moms of Lakers talk, man. Like you dudes then straight took over, man. But I ain't mad at you because one day <laughs> I'm gonna be able to do that. It might not be no time soon. Ooh. It might not be no time soon. But I'm gonna be able to do that. So that's a heck of a move. So you being the Laker fan, what does this put the Lakers in the aspect of of, of how they looking next year? Oh, it, bro, listen, and I, you know, I, I don't like exaggerating and, and being extra and all that, but I got to tell don't you, don't do it. Straight to the top, bro. Straight to the top. And look, I, I am not even on some, a Lakers going to win a championship because it's not that. Nobody's played a game. I'm just trying to make sure everybody gets to the season healthy. That's what I'm worried about. Let me focus on that. Can we get to the season? So I ain't really on that. Lakers going to win the championship. But if I had to pick somebody that I thought was going to win the championship based on how they look right now, I'm looking at L.A. because that's the only thing I can trust right now. I can I can trust that LeBron is going to do what he's going to do. I can trust that AD, AD is going to do what he's going to do. And let the chips fall where they may. I, I'm really good with that. I'm really good with that. And we're not even done. Not we, the Lakers, but we, as in – this summer, this is just the beginning of the summer. Like we got, like you mentioned, we got the draft Thursday, free agency yep. starts next week. What well, I mean, like, like, well, no, I'm sorry, not next week. Yeah, next, well, Sunday after next, Saturday, Saturday after next. Anyway, two weekends from now, it's gonna be uh, free agency time. So the deals will start start moving and shaking, and man. It's going to be a crazy summer. I thought we were in trouble after Katie and Clay went down. I thought, uh, like, I think somebody may have mentioned it in the group that it seemed like free agency went from everybody hype about it to the excitement dying just yeah. based on the two injuries. But, shoot, this has uh, lit the things back up. We're back on fire one more game. 
So what you want to see them do with that? Because it's, it's several, you know, I'm sitting there looking at the roster up and down. And the Lakers to this point, even with this big splash, they're going to need some guards, man, at this point. They're going to definitely need some guards. So it's two ways they can go about it. Of course, I know you were pretty vocal not long ago about no thank you when it came to the Kyrie situation. Um, but a report mm-hmm. comes out on some reputable sites yesterday that now, just like he supposedly always wanted to play with KD, he always wanted to play with AD. Would you <laughs> welcome back? Would you welcome him to Laker Nation if that was the move to be made? I'll put it to you like this. If they say Kyrie Irving is signed with the Lakers, whatever year deal for whatever amount of money, I'm just going to say okay because I can't stop it. But if I have a choice, if my feelings matter, if the gods are listening, the little G gods are listening, basketball gods are listening to me personally, I don't want Kyrie nowhere near the Lakers. Matter of fact, I don't even want a point guard that costs a whole lot of money at all. Like, I'm not interested in anybody's expensive point guard. I like Kemba. If Kemba came, I'd be cool with that. I'd be like, yeah, let's go. But I don't – the Lakers at this point don't need Kemba. They don't need a point guard. You know who would fit real well? And I know this is probably not going to go well with some people, especially if they – Watched the last year of LeBron in Cleveland, but I'll take George hey. Hill in that spot. I'm not saying hey. you know that that was a thing, but I, I mean I don't need I don't need a flashy point guard with this. Give me a solid point guard that understands the game and can run the show. If and that is only if you are adamant about throwing a point guard out there. The thing about George Hill is he can hit the three, and he plays defense. So that's cool. Plus, he doesn't need the ball. He can bring the ball down the court in the same manner that Lonzo did and hand it to LeBron. That's less work for LeBron because, you know, as I've been saying for the last seven, eight, ten years, I don't know, however long, LeBron is the point guard anyway. Why would you even put another point guard on the court when you got LeBron? Just get another shooter that plays defense and rock. That's it. You don't need somebody else to handle the ball. But – if you're going to do that, if we have to do that, I'd rather it be somebody cheap and steady as opposed to somebody that dominates the ball. So Kemba, I love Kemba. Like I said, Kemba take the big shot. Kemba is Kemba needs the ball. He needs the ball. Not saying he can't knock down a, a spot up. But you know, not he he can't spot up. But that's not what he does. He, that's not what he's ever done. Go back to college. He dribble, dribble, off the pick, step back, let it go, and you can count on it. But that's not necessary with this team. Kyrie, I am not interested in Kyrie at all. I don't need Kyrie dribbling around in circles. It's not necessary. It's not necessary when you have LeBron and you got AD, especially AD. Even if you just, even if LeBron is chilling, you have AD. AD can carry your squad. The great part is, and I didn't mean to talk this long at this one moment. I'm sorry, but the, the great your part show, is, baby? AD, <laughs> AD. Can uh can get the buckets, but I'm sorry. The great part is that he doesn't have to. He's not going to have to. So the people that are probably like, oh well, AD gonna get hurt, blah blah blah. I you know I worry about that already too. I mean I I consider that, but one he's not going to have as much pressure on him. 
Two, he's not going to have to do as much work. Three, even when he gets hurt, he's not hurt for a long time. He just happens to get hurt a lot during the game. But, I mean, half time he goes back, you know. So, yeah, you know, I'm good with that. I'm good with it. Personally, if it was if it was my call, I will take a, a swing man over a point guard. Because a point guard, and, you know, I play point guard. I love point guards. The point guard position is, is dead for real, for real. Like, there are point guards, but they're not necessarily a necessity for you to be great, I, I don't think, not at this point, especially with so many swingmen or bigger guys that are comfortable handling the ball. As long as you've got somebody that is a leader on the floor, they don't have to be the point guard per se. It can just be a lead on the floor, and, and anybody can bring the ball up. You got Draymond, you know Draymond ain't no point guard, and he's always got the ball in his hand. You don't want Rondo back? Um, I'm I'm fine with Rondo, but I don't need Rondo back. Rondo, Rondo is Rondo's fine. I have I don't really have a problem with Rondo. I would love. <laughs> I'm greedy. I'm just I'm being kind of greedy on this point. Somebody mentioned Drew Holiday to me. Uh, the other day, just talking about AD in general, and I was like, man, yeah. I would take Drew Holiday over. I'll take Drew Holiday over Kemba and Kawhi at any point. I mean, sorry, not, not Kawhi, excuse me, over Kemba and Kyrie. Oh, okay. And, and the yeah. fact that, yeah, 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 you know, I, I, that was a mistake. I didn't mean to say that. Forgive <laughs> me, Kawhi. Forgive me, forgive me, uh, MVP. But if he, uh, shoot. I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, you know how I feel. I, I look at you. <laughs> I'm hype. Yeah. Well, I look at you guys, and and it seems to be split through Laker Nation on what to do with this money because you could go after the free agent. I mean, you you mentioned how you felt about it. You don't necessarily need a carry, um, but the the Kemba thing. Um, if we're just talking about spending money on one of the bigger names in general, when you get you know past those guys, Jimmy Butler's still floating out there. Then you've got some on which I tend to kind of agree with, uh, on the outside looking in, but that that money that you guys are going to have, I mean, there's timelines to this thing about when you could spend it or what you could potentially have after a certain date and all of that. But I'm thinking if you you pray to LeBron and, and KD stay healthy and you go out there and you get yourself a maybe a J.J. Reddick, or a, a Danny Green. I think you surround these guys, man, and get as much money that you can, uh, as many good players as you can get, instead of spending it all on, um, you know, on another Max guy. And you just make this thing happen. I think, I, to me, I think that's the role for the Lakers because a lot of things have opened up now. Like you just mentioned, everybody's looking at Golden State and what happened there. You're looking at the teams. If I look at the other teams outside of Golden State. For me, looking at this present season, where the way teams are constructed as of right now, of course, trades and things are going to happen, and we're going to probably see one or two things uh, over the next month or so that's going to blow our minds that we didn't see coming. But mm-hmm. I'm not really worried about anybody else in the West other than the one team whose GM has got to be crying his behind off at this point, and in, 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 I'm in Daryl Mowry. In Houston, because mm-hmm. he probably went from in a night or two like, well, darn, maybe I don't need to make a move. 
You know, I might hate what happened to these dudes, but it's wide open for me now because Golden State ain't going to be Golden State next year. Maybe I can sit pat to now all of a sudden like, damn, you know, this, this, this is crazy. So if I'm the Lakers, I don't know if I'm spending all that money that I can have potentially available on another max guy. I think I'm finding me some uh, some some nice teammates and some role players, and I'm rolling with AD and the King. Yeah, I, I thought about J.J. Redick as I was uh, in the car a little while ago. And J.J. Redick would be a, a great look. He's still, I mean, he's still a defensive liability. It depends on what comes with J.J. Yeah. Redick, as in who the point guard would be. So if you're going to have a liability out there, uh, you, you can't have two. You can't have two liabilities out there at the guard position, especially in the West, because you got to deal with Dame and C.J. at some point. you got to deal with Harden. So... You can't have defensive liabilities at both guard spots, but I'm, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I, all those one-year deals that that Lakers uh, had, I don't know, you know, where those guys are going to end up. So there are, there are some, there are some pieces that are close to the situation already that might just be able to to slide back in the door and uh, and benefit from. From just the AD deal, I'm still I'm still good on on another wing though. That's that's what I want. I'm not necessarily high on Jimmy Butler. I wanted Butler a few years ago when the Lakers were trying to get him when he was in Chicago. I was hype about Jimmy Butler. I was like Jimmy Butler coming to the Lakers. I'm so hype. You know I'm so happy. After these last few years, I'm not as hype on Jimmy Butler as uh, a teammate. As as a as a dude, you know, I know he's a dog and I know he's gonna ball, but you know, he plays defense. He can get you buckets, but he got he's not a consistent shooter. And there's no need for another, uh, not for another, but for a a guy that can't get you can't knock down that J. Where's Trevor Ariza right now? Can I, is Trevor Ariza available? Uh, yeah, be, I know he I just can got see a, a grip of money. I think he just got a grip of money not too long ago. But can Trevor Ariza come back to LA? Let me get something like that. I'll be good with that. But I don't think Kawhi's. I mean, Kawhi's not coming to LA. Like not to the Lakers anyway. So that's not really even a thought in my mind. If that happens, like I ain't even. I you know what? I might log off of Facebook quit the group, like, I might just, you know, disappear till <laughs> October. They come back with a vengeance and post every five minutes. But, <laughs> but no, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, you know, there's a lot of ways to think it go, man. I'm, I'm just happy with what is going on right now, and I'm amazed by the amount of people who say the Lakers overpaid as if they didn't see what, one, what the Lakers were willing to give up during the summer, the first, and two. First time, yeah. Two, what I, I don't understand how someone could think that giving up a top five in my mind, top ten, even, worst case for anybody who watches basketball, top ten player, getting another top, getting another top ten player to go with LeBron. What, what is the negative in that? Especially when it's LeBron, which is when now situation and. We just went through this last year where they picked up all these pieces and people were like, oh, it's not enough. Now you get a big dog and send out the younger guys, and now people are like, oh, why did they give up the young guys? Because they are not top-tier players. 
They might be good exactly. players. Exactly. They might be very, you know, they might be very good players in the future. But today is today, and LeBron is here today. LeBron ain't here in five years, so you got to get what you can get right now. Establish that, and then you can turn over the franchise to AD and still keep rolling and still be able to bring people in because you have another unselfish superstar. For sure, for sure. The New Orleans ends at the end of this, though, because you mentioned Drew Holiday, and you got you got to think now that that could be a very real possibility. Now, I know they gave him some money. I believe it was either last year or the year before. I think the contract was kind of fat. I haven't sat down to sat down to really look at exactly how it you know how it ends out over the next few years, how much he's paid. You know, he's he's up for next year, and then you know the following year. But that's just that's definitely an option. You think about Lonzo is over in New Orleans now. So what are you going to do with Drew Holiday? But that squad over there, you think about the position that David Griffin is putting this team in. They're probably so it's going to be on television a lot more than they've been on television in a while. I mean, of course, we're going to, we want to see that anyway because the preemptive uh, first-round pick, of course, Zion Williamson, he, he's going to be there. Uh but you trade those guys over. You're going to have an Ingram, presuming they keep Ingram. Um, I think they will. Um, they've got some moves to make, but it's just an exciting-looking a young squad. Julius Randle. Are they going to keep Julius Randle? Uh, something to watch there. I mean, he's, well, I believe, through 2020, so he'll still be under contract, but there's some speculation that he could actually be moved. But they're going to be an exciting team. But you also look at it now, mm-hmm. they got the fourth pick. The fourth pick. And they could do so much with that. I mean, if I'm David Griffin, I'm thinking that he's – I don't know if they're going to keep that pick because I'm looking at what's available, the drop-off after the most likely first three picks in Zion, Ja, and, of course, R.J. Barrett. After that, there are some good players. You know, you got Culver. you got got Hunter from UVA. you you got some cats. But I don't know if any of those cats fit directly into the mix and what they want to do. So I, I think they're probably – shop that pick possibly to see if what they can get for that pick. And then if they're able mm. to get something for that pick, especially if it's something they can use this year, then they, some of those other names that we named could possibly move. Like I said, I don't think it's out of the uh, realm of possibility. Like I mentioned that Julius Randle could be moved. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that uh, Ingram could be moved, even though I don't think he will be. I think he'll be there, but it could happen. Um, it's just so much can happen, but you gotta like the position, and whether even if you're not a New Orleans Pelicans fan, you kind of gotta like the position that they're in after having to lose a player like Anthony Davis. Agreed. I think they're in a great position as well. I'm like, there's no loser in this draft. Well, in this uh, this trade, the loser, if if there was a loser, it was New Orleans because they're getting less than what they wanted. Uh, what they could have uh, could have acquired during the uh, season. So if you look at it that way, you can see say New Orleans lost something. But man, please, like you get Lonzo, who hasn't even come into his own yet, and is already a top five defender at the point guard position. You got Bi, who is to me, and I, I said this before, he has the most upside out of the Lakers' young players from last season. Like, he has unlimited upside. He, he's got the highest ceiling out of everybody. So, you've got Lonzo and B.I. You're getting 
uh, Zion. Yeah, I'm thinking they, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Julius Randle, but if you look at it right now, I mean, it's Lonzo, B.I., Drew, Zion, and, and Randle. That's not that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Like, not not that they would be contending for a championship or anything, don't get me wrong, but that is I a fun team. Worst, yeah. case, worst case scenario, it's a fun team right there. That's a fun lineup. Yeah. Like, you can do so many things, and everybody can do everything pretty much across the board. So I'm not mad at it, but I do expect – like, I don't know what the, what, the, what the rules are as far as moving Lonzo or B.I. again. But I could see B.I. being gone, B.I. in the fourth pick if that's a possibility, B.I. in the fourth pick or B.I. I don't, I don't know. But something else is going to happen. I mean – New Orleans is not done. I don't think they're going to stay in pack where they are. But, hey, to have a first and a fourth pick coming up this week, I'm not mad at that either. I don't I don't know if uh, Cam Reddish is the type of guy that would fit in with what they might be trying to do at this point. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I like Cam Reddish. If, he would have, if the Lakers would have scooped him at the fourth pick, I would have, I would have been okay with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it might be more valuable to somebody else, and it might might bring New Orleans a little something else. Like, I'm not mad at them. Well, if there had to be a biggest loser, if we can say that in this particular instance with Anthony Davis, um, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media about it was the Knicks. I don't think it was ever the Knicks because realistically. I don't think you can lose much more than what the Knicks have already lost. Um, and, 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 you know, the franchise that we've been over the past few years, I would think it would have to be the Boston Celtics because you were stuck in a crazy position. Um, first of all, you got that dude, Rich Paul. Rich Paul, powerful dude, man. You can say what you want to. Rich Paul got power. Rich Paul just came out and said, yeah. my client like this, bro. Look, y'all can go ahead and make the move, whatever, and to trade for him, but you know what I'm saying? He still, he ain't signing no extension. He most likely he up out of there, man. And it, it is what it is. So if you're Danny Ainge, you stuck yeah. with the position of, man, do I make this move, give up all these players, and go after him and feel like being the guy that I am and the city, you know, that we're in, that I can change his mind? Or do I just let it go? But they made it clear that they were not, willing to put Jason Tatum in that package. So now, you're most likely about to lose Kyrie. From 9 out of 10, he's probably gone. Most likely he's gone. And his, uh, you know, his new management kind of throws, you know, you know, throws that into the mix. But then you also look at the fact that you may be stuck with the team you had before this past season. But the question is, is that a good or a bad thing? Because you and I sit there and discuss about how differently they play without Kyrie, right? So you're basically or possibly going back with probably, I don't know, 95% of the same team you had before you got Kyrie actually on the court for a full season. I think the only real question, and, I, and I'm and i not going to act like I've gone through everything over Boston's contract, I do believe that your boy uh, Al Horford has an option they have an option on him, or he has an option whether or not to opt in, I believe, after looking at that. But 
you look at the same squad, basically. So I, we don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, man, because things can change year over year. There is no guarantee they're going to look like the same team without Kyrie. Uh, they don't have Kyrie as they did, you know, a little over a year ago. Yeah, there's no telling. Uh, but, I, I, like I said, less might be more. I think less will be more because Jason Tatum had to step back a lot. He had to step back a lot when he uh, when Kyrie took over. When Kyrie came back and, and went back to being Kyrie, Jason Tatum stepped back. Jalen Brown stepped back. Rozier stepped back. Everybody had to step back and allow Kyrie to take over. Also, you had to try to mix in uh, Gordon Hayward. Now, yeah. you slide Kyrie out of that mix. Question becomes, does Terry Rozier now want to stay? Does it, well, you know, once Kyrie's gone, does he accept it and be like, okay, I'm staying? Or is he still going to be like, you know what, bro? Y'all ain't really want to ride for me when he was here, even though I did what I did in the season before that. So why would I stay around now? That leaves another door open or another spot open and uh, some other decisions that have to be made. But we'll see what Jason Tatum is really made of. Uh, again, the, the argument that he was that dude and thinking that he would be valuable enough to trade uh, for a little less other stuff and get AD, which was foolish to me from the jump. But if he is that, hey, more power to him. I just don't see it as of yet. But there's still time. As far as the Knicks, the Knicks are some losers in regards to this joint. Come on, man. Like, let's be, let's hey, be man, real over the over. last week. Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Prime. You know, after KD went down, you know, you thought KD kind of lost Kyrie if you thought you had him at all. You thought Kyrie. And then you lost okay. any chance at AD. All in a week, a week and a half. Like, that's kind of rough. I, you know, kind of hurt my feelings for you. So when we look back and we talk about who, hold on, Prime, this one last point. Let me get you this one last point. If we look back and we talk about uh, there's, there's only so many free agents and there's so many so many max uh, spots available. Somebody's going to miss out. Somebody's going to be the biggest loser. Yes, I think we have our answer, but I guess we'll see uh, in the next week or two. Well, yeah, it depends on how this thing shakes out. Look, I, I wasn't – I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I wasn't 100% on board with the Knicks signing Anthony Davis at the cost. Only reason I say that is because – as bad as luck as we already have, and as, as a, you know, as a messed up organization as we have in ownership and everything, knowing my luck, we gave up all those young pieces that we've been developing. And say what you want to about the North Knicks, but there are one or two very good players, uh, uh, players that have really good potential on that team, Mitchell Robinson being one of them. There was no way we were going to be able to keep Mr. Robinson. Say what you want to about the majority of the roster. Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, was a possibility. I could do it pretty much without the rest of the guys on that roster. I'm not sold on Kevin Knox like everybody else is to this point. I don't dislike him, but I'm not enamored with him. Right. If you would have got rid of all of those pieces to get A.D., 
Now, if you would have got him and he doesn't resign with you the year after, well, then you're not really in that bad a position because you got money again, right? But if you get rid of all those pieces, didn't get another, especially after this, uh, you know, KD situation, and you don't get anybody else, and then AD, not to hope, not to wish that bad on you guys, but we know he likes to get nicked up here and there, right? How much did we really lose? We won't win nothing this year anyway, even if you would have got it. Okay, especially now with KD, if KD was going to come. He still could come, but even if he was going to come, we weren't going to win anything anyway. So I wasn't really super crazy about feeling that's the move that the Knicks had to make. That's not the thing that really hurt the Knicks. The AD, the KD thing hurt more than the AD thing. Much more. It's all uh, leading to a grand total of nothing. Yeah. Now, now, Source. <laughs> now, Source, I'm just saying this, brother. I'm just saying this. If Now, if the Knicks, now, if KD had never gotten hurt, and if KD had never gotten hurt and he was going to make his way to New York, I'd have felt a little more strongly about not getting, us not getting AD because they, then you got something cooking there automatically, off the rip, off top. You know, you're talking about, you know, a team that's going to make the playoffs and probably finish at least in the top half of the Eastern Division, or the Eastern Conference, no matter where you decide to put them. But as soon as that Durant thing went down, I really had no feelings about us spending all that loot to get AD. Hey, look, let me try something, man. I think um, it's been a minute since we, we took a um, – we, we spoke to anybody, and I think I saw a L.A. area code pop and it's back on. So, being it's an L.A. area code, I believe, or Cali area code, let me see what we got cooking here. All right. <laughs> Check it out. Hey. Thanks for joining the SBP. Who we got? Hey, guys, it's Tom. Tom from uh, Los Angeles. How you doing? Hey, Tom. What's going Tom, on, Tom? What's happening? Not too much, not too much. I feel like this is one of those days that's really exciting, but also like a constant reminder that our front office is still awful. Like, and I'm about to explain why. So, so basically, I don't know if you guys heard this yet, but the Lakers, like, basically, look, we were bidding against ourselves, and I understand that we had to pay mm-hmm. a tax for certain certain things, right? I don't love the pick swaps. I don't – the future picks are, are, are what they are. I don't love that we threw, like, the pick swaps in there. I don't love that we threw heart in there because our roster is really thin. But you're getting a 26-year-old superstar, so it's absolutely worth it. Now, the trade itself I was fine with. Here's the part where our front office ineptitude we just can't get over, right? The Lakers agreed okay. to consummate this deal on July 6th, meaning by doing so and by not forcing the Pelicans to not do this deal – until August 1, the Lakers now only have $23 million in cap space. Even if AD waives his trade kicker of four, 4 mil, they only have $27 million in, in, in cap space, meaning they cannot mm-hmm. sign a max free agent. They cannot sign a third max free agent. Uh, right. Which is horrible, embarrassing management from our franchise that, look, like, I'll say this. We managed to get LeBron. We managed to get a, a D despite terrible management, despite terrible ownership. Mm-hmm. But you can't overcome terrible management and ownership in the sense that, like, this trade 
needed to hinge on our ability to get a third max guy. And we took ourselves out of the running before we even started by agreeing to allow the Pelicans to force this trade through on July 6th. I'm blown away, blown away at the ineptitude of this franchise that seems to be able to get the big things done, like AD, LeBron, and that kind of thing, and is just so constantly inept at the small things. And so I'm really frustrated here because this should be such a triumphant day for us. We're still going to be able to field a good team, but like to completely take us out of the running for a third max creation like this before it even started is just, I mean, it's mind boggling how stupid this front office is. Like it's mind boggling. Like, and, and on top so, of that, look, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, so I'm, just, I'm trying to remember if I'm correct. So, um, and you probably know, so if they would have waited until, what was it, July 30th, when they had about like $32, $33 million? So the reason that they were going to be able to have $33 million was because if you do not sign your draft pick until uh, – there's there's something in the CBA, but there's basically something in right. the uh, a, a CBA that a draft pick only counts for a certain amount until you've signed them. Right. So, like, if you haven't signed them yet, I think they cost, like, I don't know, like a certain – and I think this is what the case is. They, they, they cost a certain percent. But by agreeing okay. to deal with the Pelicans on July 6th, something happens with that number four overall pick that causes it to count – I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it basically causes it to count – I've read into it. I've heard on SportsCenter this is what they're already talking about. It causes something to count against the cap – four to five million dollars more than it normally would. Um, right. Plus there's the 80 trade kicker. So basically like this, we, uh, but so, okay, no, no, no. This is actually what it is. The, 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 uh, the, the traffic costs a certain amount. Plus we're being forced to take 80 back at a certain time. Um, and I think there's a moratorium, right? So I don't think mm-hmm. the contracts can actually be signed. That's okay. This is what it is. Contracts cannot actually be signed until uh, July 6th. So there's a moratorium between June 30th and uh, July 6th. By forcing the Lakers to consummate this trade on July 6th, as opposed to even July 7th, the Lakers have to take 80's um, number into their cap space before they can actually sign anyone on the dotted line, meaning they don't have money for a third max. And the fact that the Lakers would agree to that is absolutely a joke. Like, I am – like, we gave up way too many future first-round draft picks and swaps to be messing around with crap like this. Like, this this, <laughs> this pairing – like, LeBron James and Anthony Davis is an unbelievable pairing, but LeBron James is 35 years old. Like, he's 35 years old. He can't – we should not play him more than 65 games next year. Like, you need – like, Anthony Davis is 26, but he, like, he has only has a year left on his contract. Like, we can't mess around. Like, Anthony Davis is going to explore other options, I think, if we're signing J.J. Redick and Brooke Lopez to surround him for the future. Like, this is a joke. I, like, I'm so sick of the Lakers front office and not just – firing all the people that are in there, bringing in someone who actually knows how to negotiate. Like, this should be a triumphant day for us. And if what is on SportsCenter and what is floating about is true, this is this tanks the whole situation for me. Like, not entirely, but, like, we gave up. We were bidding against ourselves. No matter, Like, look, I'm happy with the trade. You do this trade. But no one should act like 
we got away with one here, right? Like, like we we got a great star, but we were bidding against ourselves. We gave up a little more than we should, taking any ability we have to trade any assets in the future. And if we can't get this third guy, which I think our our own front office just took us out of the running for, I mean, you're looking at a a one to two year window and a team that I don't I don't know if it's necessarily going to get there. And and like you have all these guys, I mean, this is just. Unbel- this is unbelievable, but I believe it because I'm a Lakers fan forever. I've been a Lakers fan for 30 years. <laughs> like, I, I just the last six years, I mean, like this is not unbelievable. I, I just I can't believe this. So we need to stop our conversation about is it going to be Kyrie or Kemba or but it's going to be Brooke Lopez and Trevor Ariza and whatever. And maybe that's better than Butler. I mean, maybe, but like the fact that it's not even a conversation at this point now says everything you need to about our front office and why we should remember that as Laker fans, this is an exciting day, but this offer was, we got, we gave up enough in this offer that nobody should be giving any credit to the Lakers front office at all. Not one ounce of credit. We got AD because of Rich Paul and Rich Paul is awesome. And he did well by his client, but the Lakers (laughs) did not do anything (laughs) here that is an accomplishment. So like, I'm just, I don't know. I, I hope what I'm reading is untrue, but I believe it to be true. I mean, it was reported by Woj. Like, they have $23 million in cap space. Like, this is yeah. a joke. It's a joke. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I appreciate you calling, Tom. As a matter of fact, man, I appreciate you calling. Hey, you, um, you on Sorry. I'm just frustrated. I'm just frustrated now. <laughs> I should be happy. Hey, <laughs> hey, it's all good, man. Hey, I'm not sure if you're on Facebook or not, man, but check us out on these sports bar podcasts. If you are, man, I'd like to have you, man. And uh, definitely hit us back, man, after we get through this, uh, you know, all these trades and everything that goes down after the draft and all that, man. Great call. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, Tom. Well, we got a frustrated Laker fan in the house. (laughs) Hey, Prime, you know what, though? That was a great call. He's, he's, uh, he's, 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 uh, he was speaking. Some facts, though, because uh, yeah, uh, Woj, Woj said if Pelicans and the Lakers waited till July 30th, Lakers could have had 32.5. By I waiting 30 days, like Lakers would be yeah. acting like a team over the cap and thus allowed to use the fourth pick and overall uh, the fourth overall pick and draft as salary. For now, blah blah Makes blah. Sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I believe what what Tom is saying is correct. I'm and and if it is, then then that's a whole different discussion. But even if it came to, even if it came to Trevor Ariza and as he said, Brooke Lopez, well, I don't care. I do not <laughs> care at all. I don't. I don't. And and that's respectfully saying that what if if what he said is true. And it, you know, like I said, we'll just. Uh, tweeting about it as we speak. So it's going to be interesting to see. But LeBron and AD, whatever comes with it, comes with it. Kuzma's still right there. I'm rocking. I'm happy. Y'all ain't going to steal my thunder. No doubt. No doubt. And he, and he mentioned Rich Paul again. Hey, before we move on, I posted a little meme the other day on the group people was tripping off of after the AD comments came out from Rich Paul. Oh, your boy, <laughs> your boy, uh, I'm sitting there drawing a blank now, from the wire, um, 
Omar. Omar coming. Uh-huh. And I and he and he and I said, uh, this is uh, Rich Paul walking through NBA offices. And it was a pick of your boy yeah. Omar walking through the hood, walking through the hood mm-hmm. with that with that shotgun. And this is where we're going. This Nobody is where we're going. No Rich problem. Paul. Nobody wants no problems. And evidently, that might not be for real, man, because this thing got done pretty quick, <laughs> you know. And um, so. Shout out to Rich Paul. I mean, I know it gets to a point where a lot of people going to love him. A lot of people not going to like him. But he bought his money. He bought his clients. And, I, and I've got to feel that in the future, more and more big names going to sign with them, man. I'm telling you. You talking about power moves? This is serious power moves because he seems to get what he wants. Or at least, at least his clients. Yeah. Well, he do, too, because he getting paid. And it, it, so. it, might, uh, it might lead to more people approaching their contract situation that like AD did, which is, I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing like groundbreaking or brand new. Dudes have spoken out, you know, before in regards to where they would go, where they wouldn't go, where they're going to resign. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the way, that's the way of the world. And the people that actually are fans of the sport or fans of whatever players and get mad at this type of stuff have a, and I'm not trying to make this a whole Thing, but they have that plantation mentality. Right. It's a contract. It's it's a business contract. It's a team and an individual, or who, what he's seen as as a, a a piece, you know. So why wouldn't he work his way to get the best of both worlds, to get his money and to go where he wants to go, if that's a possibility? So many people like get caught up in the fandom part. They act like they act like teams, as far as I mean, just football, basketball, whatever you want to call it, whatever sport. They act like people didn't stay on teams because they had no choice but to stay on teams before. Like there were, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of free agency. It wasn't a lot of uh, room for players to maneuver and do what they wanted to do. So the fact that players are able to get some of this power back as opposed to all the power being with the team, I mean, if you're mad because it's your team, maybe. But other than that, you got to – I mean, the player is the small guy in the situation. The player is like the small business when you're dealing with a monopoly. You're trying to get <laughs> work your way around this monopoly, and, and you're just trying to do what's best in, in, your, in your best interest as an individual. So I'm not mad at the players, man. You know, fandom has its has its uh, its greatness. Fandoms has has its great points and uh, privileges. But I just you got to see it from both sides, man. You got to see it from both sides and appreciate the players being able to take some of that power. Hey, did you see the post by your boy? Uh, <laughs> um, Sean, uh, S. Dale Falcone, I think it's Sean Falcone, he put yesterday from NBA, uh, the Laker fans staying outside the Staples Center, and the dude got, <laughs> the dude nope. got the, uh, I think it was the powder, I think it's uh, the baby powder, and he, he dumped it in baby everybody's powder. hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going up in the air like, bro. <laughs> That's the joy right bro, there. Like I said, like I said, they, they start the season today. They start the season right now. Let's get it popping. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, so look, man, all this Laker news and the big AD trade stole the thunder 
from the new NBA champs, man. The Toronto hey, Raptors. Man. The North. We went Y'all gave the people like minutes. two days, man. <laughs> Y'all gave the people yeah. two days, man. Come on, bro. It's our fault. Come on, man. It's our fault. Look, uh, Prime, we just went 47 <laughs> minutes without even mentioning the Raptors for real. And they won the, they won the, uh, the title. They are the world champs. We ain't even talked about them yet. We're 47 minutes in. These people have done something great, man. These guys have won the title. <laughs> Nobody gave them a chance. Kawhi did some, had one of the most remarkable playoff runs. Uh, individual runs we've seen Ever. in history, he ranks up there. Like, you know, the North got their due, you know, uh, most disrespectful fans in the whole nine, but they, they got their, you know, they got their due, they did their thing. And y'all gave these people, like, exactly 47 hours of being the, the top headline across the country, man. But anyway, they won it. They are now the uh, the NBA champs. A so shout out to the Toronto Raptors. But I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you this. Um, to you, I think we, well, for me, I think we got robbed, bro. I don't know how you feel. I personally feel we got robbed. And I know that every year everything can't be perfect. But, and I'm not taking anything away from the Toronto Raptors. I'm not saying they wouldn't have won, wouldn't have won it if certain things hadn't transpired. I was willing to live with the fact that Kevin Durant was hurt had to start the series and all that deep, you know, he came back. But then he got hurt. I could still live with that. But the situations in two separate games, especially that last one with Clay Thompson, it just feels to me, it feels funny, man. And I know if you were a Toronto Raptor, you'd be like, well, we had to play who was on the court. I agree with that because I'd have done the same thing. But I just feel we was robbed. I wanted to see all these people on the court, man, and have them go at it that way. Yeah, probably. But I, I don't, I don't think we, uh, not we, but generally speaking, we. I don't think we argued this fact as much when Kyrie and Kevin Love went out. Kevin Love the first time because LeBron was on the squad. That's why. Yeah, but that's that's exactly right. That's one hundred percent. It was the world. It was it was Golden State still being new, and it was LeBron's on the other side, and some people were just tired of LeBron. So regardless of what happens, it, it, it's LeBron. It, I mean, he should be able to carry the whole team. He should be able to beat everybody by himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when I see people post stuff like that, talking about uh, well, Steph. He just dealing with, uh, you know, what LeBron had to go through. You know, don't want nobody complaining about that. That's actually true. Although I do hate it. Like I think it's, I think it's a pointless statement because Steph not, Steph wasn't running around saying, "Well, everybody got hurt, so now um, we're gonna lose." Uh, I mean, he played his game. He played hard, whatever. Played well most games. So that whole that whole premise, I'm not really down with. But I understand what you're saying, though. KD, Clay, even Looney, even a healthy Looney, because it yeah. would have it would have highlighted the fact that that Boogie wasn't even going to play, though. He wasn't going to play until KD got hurt. He was not he going to right play. Anyway. I don't. Yeah. I don't even. I don't, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But I don't think he was going to see much of the court. 
because, as you had mentioned uh, last week, I believe the way the, the way they approach the game changes when he's in the game. And the offense yep. a lot of times goes through him as a distributor and as a scorer, so it kind of changes the focus, which is not necessarily bad, but the same way they come back with that death lineup when things go wrong or they started, you know, they throw Iggy in the lineup in the past to start as opposed to whomever, and they kind of go back to what they know and what they've done in the past. That's that's what was going down. That's exactly what was happening. They were like, yo, uh, we know what we're going to get from this right here, so we're going to run this out here and see what, we, see what happens as opposed to going to this last game and throw you out there. You still hurt for real, for real. And you're still new. You're still new. Even though it's the end of the season, you only played part of the season, and you played part of the games and part of the season. So you're still new to this whole deal. Plus, this is the biggest stage, and we're not going to go out based on your uh, you being the, the unknown. Well, look. I'm not a cat to put an asterisk beside it, so I'm not going to go that. A win is a win. You get it how you get it, man. I just will be the first to tell you I just didn't enjoy the uh, finals as much as I thought I was going to enjoy it, especially after that Clay got hurt the other night. Like, Because at least then, they still had a chance. They was right there in the game. We were neck and neck in that game. They had a shot, and I was telling everybody in the barber shot, eat shop, even though Game 7 would not have been at the Oracle where they're the most dangerous, I just felt like as good as the Raptors have been, and they let's be real, they, they dominated the series, even in the games that they lost. They dominated the yeah. series. But I just felt that this thing, they didn't want to see these people in Game 7. Even if they were the better team this year on the court, they didn't want to see these people in Game 7. And like I say, I could do without, you know, I could have lived without Durant playing. Okay, that, that's cool. But, when, but, but without Clay, though, you know, yeah. I at least wanted to see that matchup. So it wasn't as, as enjoyable to me. But that ain't, I can't take nothing away from what your boy Kawhi did, though, man. Kawhi was phenomenal um, this whole entire season. Um, stuff still coming up about he is the best player. I'm not going that route. I'm saying he was the best player this season. Um, and I stand by that. The Claw did his thing. He's that dude. He was the best player this season. Give me another season or so before I crown him the best in the NBA. But I think he was the best this season. And I might give you he's the best two-way player. Um, I, I will give you that. But um, and shout out to him. Shout out to Nick Nurse. Um, a lot of things he yeah. lost in the shuffle with these, you know, with the things that he did. And a lot of people don't know this. You probably knew it, but I think the biggest move that he made this particular year was when he convinced Serge, you know, Serge Ibaka, or you know, guy that said that we're gonna need you to come off the bench. And anybody that knows Serge Ibaka, Serge Ibaka is a dude that's gonna do what he want to do. Serge Ibaka is not that guy that seems gonna take certain news. You know, very well. Sergi Baca, the cat that will square up in your face. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just you know, what he is. But him convincing, uh, when he had to convince him, he is the coach. But him putting him on the bench and making him all right with it and convincing him that, you know, what was best for the team, 
I think was probably his biggest accomplishment because we got to see what Nick Nurse saw in players like like Siakam. Agreed. And I'm going to need the NBA uh, Wednesday night to go ahead and make sure that Pascal Siakam gets that most improved player. Uh, That's what it is. He is the most improved player in the league. Uh, No disrespect to D'Angelo Russell, but Russell was already uh, known and and a good player, and his scoring average didn't go up that dramatically. But, I mean, Siakam just – you can talk to nine out of ten people who watch basketball regularly, and they cannot tell you much about Pascal Siakam until halfway through this season when his name started coming up uh, more often. So shout out to him, definitely. But I think uh, the Ibaka thing, the best part about it, or the probably the biggest selling point, was that Ibaka coming off the bench, he's going to be with the second unit most times, you know, when he first comes in, he's going to be against the other team's second unit, so he, he normally would, would be dominant on the floor. And if there's foul trouble from either Siakam or well, Siakam, Kawhi, or uh, Gasol, Ibaka's getting those minutes. He's going to be the first one off the bench to get those minutes because he can do you know, whatever you need him to do, as opposed to putting, True. you know, leaving him and Siakam out there. You got Gasol coming in. Gasol going one place. He's going. He's, he's going to the center position, and you know, he's an inside-out player. He can, he can get you buckets inside, can knock down the three, and he plays great defense. But he's, I mean, he's seven foot. He's, you know, he's a center. That's what he is. <laughs> so it's not like he's as versatile as Ibaka. Plus, if, you know, I think. Maybe it had nothing to do with it. Maybe it had something to do with it. But I think the fact that uh, the the Africa connection, I think that may have lended itself to to Ibaka's willingness to to go to the bench as well because he sees this young star from Cameroon starting to shine, and you know he's from he's from the same country, you know. So I think that may have something done. I mean, I don't know what their relationship is, you know, him and Ibaka and uh, Siakam. I don't know what their relationship is outside of basketball or if they're friends, if they're tight, whatever. But I think that, you know, if it was necessary, that could have had something to do with it as well. Well, they say that uh, your boy Siakam was probably on his way to possibly being a minister before he actually found... He found out he was good at basketball because he only paid like seven to eight years of organized basketball. He found it late. I think he was like 14 or 15 Bruh. when he really found it. So he was on his way to be a minister. Yeah. Yeah, because he was the chosen one of the family. Like, I think every family, uh, I don't know if it's a village thing or if it's the whole country. I mean, uh, I don't know what, I don't know, you know, what the responsibility is, but he was the chosen one of the family to become uh, to go to ministry to go to uh, religion ministry however you want to call it so yeah that was when he was 14 or 15 actually when he I, I don't even know how how it was handled but that was his calling based on his family's decision so the fact that he even ended up playing basketball like that's crazy that's crazy well if he's going to be a minister he might need to go play for the team uh, president general manager 
and uh, Messiah your jury, because your boy your jury caught a charge. Yeah. <laughs> man, they caught a charge the other day, man. He say they trying to say he struck a police officer. And to my understanding, I think it was all over the fact that he didn't have his proper credentials with him to get down there on the floor or something. I don't know, man, but it's, it's a whole it's a, <laughs> much to do about nothing, man. Much to do about nothing, man. You know. He about to get this money from these from these wizards, though. He about to get all the money and some and some ownership stakes from these wizards. That's what's really going to happen. Look, stuff like this leads you to believe that Kawhi might mess around and stay in Toronto because Toronto. I mean, uh, Kawhi is a different cat. He's a different dude. We already know that. And Toronto is a different spot. Like it's the only place that you can win a NBA championship and catch a charge four minutes later. Like. It's just different, like, so, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> different player, different team, you know, different place. So that might have just told you what's going to happen with Kawhi right there. <laughs> so uh, on the flip end of this, man, the Warriors, is this the end of the dynasty for the Warriors? If it's not the end, it is surely a, a break in the action. They've taken a commercial break. Something going on. It's going to be a second. <laughs> They, they're going to have to regroup. It depends on how things go, you know. This I think it depends on how things go this summer. Uh, well, this summer and next summer, how they approach this thing. If they re-sign, as I, I read a couple of days ago, they're going to re-sign or try to re-sign Clay and KD. If that comes down, comes to play, and both of them end up staying into the future, not just through next season, which both of them are hurt for at least part of if not the whole season, but if they're both there into the future and they're able to, to keep that core together, most of it anyway, then they can they can come right back. But as is, yeah, it's a it's definitely a timeout, a pause. They hit the pause button on, on this dynasty. They and I I will I mean I do consider them a dynasty. What is five was it five years straight? Three out of five? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. hey can't knock the hustle. I mean, I don't I don't know how long it takes to be considered a dynasty, but three out of five ain't bad. Three out of five ain't bad. Yeah, I think it could be the end, man. What you got what you gotta consider with this whole deal. So we know K D gonna miss all the next season. So by the time he comes back to the court, he's gonna be nearing thirty two. So if they're able to sign him back He'll be nearing his 32nd birthday by the time he comes back to the court. And even then, people will tell you that that type of injury is usually your second season after that injury before you get to probably the fullest strength that you're ever going to be. All right, we, we don't know really too many people in the NBA that's been successful in coming back other than with Dominique. All right, but you look at that. You look at Clay. Clay is a baller, right? Clay um, yeah. will be about 30 years old. What, 30 years old or so, or 30 or going right in there by the time he makes it back to the basketball court? Uh, Draymond. Draymond looks like he's old as dirt now, right? But I think Draymond, I don't know, like 29, I think. Is that right? 29? <laughs> so like he wanted the oldest cat. Like he's like, like he the oldest cat on the squad, right? But he's going to be 30 next season. And then you got Steph Curry. Yep. You know, he was in his early 30s. So I'm looking at the, the time period around these, you know, the time these cats will be back. This could very well be the end of a dynasty. And the most the interesting thing is how they attack this offseason and what they'll be able to do because, granted, if you go ahead and toss the season next season, realizing what you're up against, what type of players are you going to be able to sign 
on small contracts to be able to at least stay competitive in the West. I mean, you can go back to about five years ago when all this started. I know their salary cap, you know, with their salary between those three guys, it was Clay, Steph, and Draymond, was like under $20 million, right? You look at this thing mm-hmm. now, and, and back then they were taking about 20% of the team's salary cap. Now you take them and you add in the fact of uh, KD and Iggy, and you're probably looking around about 80% of the team's salary cap. So I think this could very well be the end of the uh, championship-type Golden State Warriors we're used to seeing. I expect them to come back to be competitive. But the age and the injury thing for me is going to be a real factor of what they're going to look like, you know, look like by the end of next season and maybe even the season after that. So it's going to be interesting. It is Brown. what it is. Indeed. All right. Hey, one thing I want to get to real quick before we get up out of here um, is somebody uh, in the group posted a picture and it was kind of funny. Your boy Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey with his hands up in the air, like almost like, you know, you know, what about me or, or, or whatever that meant. You know, they go ahead and win it the year after he's gone. And the discussion came up in the group, and we've had this discussion before, bro, about how much credit should a previous coach get if their team, they get fired, especially if they were successful the year before. And how much, how much credit should they get if the team wins the year after they go. What you think? Well, I, th- I think the situation uh, differs. The situations differ. I think that I'll, I'll always be on the Tampa Bay was going to win the Super Bowl if Dungey was still there. Either way, they were going to win the Super Bowl that year. That is my opinion. Nothing changed. And Gruden got the ring, but that was as much – if not more Tony Dungy than anything else. That's my opinion on it. Uh, as far as Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson was uh, both the team had the team had grown and developed in, but it was a different style. It was a different style of offense, and mm-hmm. Jeff and Clay were not as free as they were when Mark when uh, Steve Kerr took over. That's, I mean, whether they would have, would have become a dynasty or not, I don't know. I don't know if they would have become a, become a dynasty. I think they would have gotten to the championship. I think they might have won a title, but would they have won three? Would they have gone five times in a row? I don't know. Mark Jackson gets the credit he deserves because Steve Kerr makes sure he gets credit all the time. So we, as the uh, the community... Hate to see, you know, white dudes slide in and take the black dude's job and then uh, win like that. So the Gruden thing, I'm with you. The uh, Steve Kerr and Mark Jackson, I don't think that's the same situation. And even more so, the Nick Nurse and Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey uh, was a solid coach, coach of the year, all that. Do I think, does anybody think that Toronto was the team to beat? Did anybody think Toronto was the team to beat going into the season? No. Uh, no. Not, with, uh, not going into that season. So, and even with LeBron gone, it wasn't like Toronto was just walking through the door without 
Kawhi and Danny Green being on that team and and Marcus Hall. So all these things happened after the sack. I was not happy when I heard that Casey they, they let go Casey because I thought it was kind of you know it's kind of jacked up. But in hindsight, it's it's a it's kind of the Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick situation where the team. You think the team might get there as is, but they definitely, you see the improvement. But there were other uh, factors in there as well. Like, of course, the Kawhi signing, which brought in Danny Green, took DeMar DeRozan out of the situation. And you added, uh, even with that, you had to add Mark Gasol to put him over the top. And still, even at that point, they weren't the clear-cut favorite in the East. It was still Milwaukee and Toronto are the best teams. I don't know which one's coming out. You know, it could go either way. So you got to get credit to Nick Nurse. And especially, not like, well, I think you said last week, it's not like Toronto was the first team to play uh, Giannis the way they played him. But it seemed like they were the first team to successfully play Giannis the way they played him. So some credit right. has to go to Nick Nurse for that. I'm just on this thing about, I guess what I get upset about is the, I don't even know this is a word, but I'm going to say it, the automaticness. <laughs> Whereas the <laughs> second 18 wins in that situation, people don't take things into consideration and it's automatically that person, that coach wanted with that other person's team. Um, Mark right. Jackson and you know I'm a Mark Jackson guy, especially since his time and he spent in New York. I couldn't stand him in Indiana, but you know, it is for obvious reasons. But right, right. one thing about Mark Jackson is he came in and he provided a lot for that team and a lot of it, the way they played. But offensively, I think you mentioned that, was just a little bit different. And I'm the type of person that believes sometimes no matter what you've built, it takes a different perspective sometimes or maybe a little tweak to actually get you over the hump at times. And I think that's what Steve Kerr did. Um, and I, I commend mm-hmm. Steve Kerr for always shouting out Mark Jackson, giving Mark Jackson his credit. Dwayne Casey, I look at Dwayne Casey, and it was a shame. After winning with 59 wins in the season, and they got swept for the what, second year in a robot Cleveland that he had to lose his job. I'm never for anybody losing his job. And I'm always that guy on all of our podcasts to say when somebody's ready to fire or get rid of somebody, I'm like, who are you going to get? You going to fire this dude? The dude got you to the playoffs. I'm not saying he should have been fired. I'm, I'm not saying that whatsoever. I, I, I'd have never fired him, you know, just off of the way things transpired. You know, we can't take away from what Nick Nurse did. Nick Nurse added some elements to this team, though. One of them we talked about a little while ago in his, in his moves with Ibaka and there's some other things. Um, signed off on the uh, – they say I read somewhere that he was big on the move uh, with uh, the whole Gasol thing. That he, and, he, he and Masai had some great conversations about that before they made the move for Marc Gasol. So hats off to him, you know. The only one you and I may differ a little bit on the Tony Dungy thing, and I'm a huge Tony Dungy guy, but this kind of goes back to what I say about sometimes you build something and you need that tweak because even with Tony Dungy, 
and I can use this in NBA terms as well. They were really good. He got them to the playoffs those years. I think they had missed the playoffs for like 13, 14 years straight. And they were a perennial playoff team while he was there. But he just couldn't get them over that hump. And to be honest, the majority of the reason that they were – his strength was defense, okay? So when Gruden slid in there, Gruden, yeah, he lived off that defense. That defense was still phenomenal, as by you see what they did in the Super Bowl. At the time, they, uh, what, Dexter Jackson was the Super Bowl MVP, a safety. A guy you yep. really didn't talk about as much when they had the Derrick Brookses and the Warren Saps and the Rondé Barbers. Um, and I can speak on them a little bit because, yeah, I'm a closet. Or I was a closet Tampa Bay fan, even though I've always been a Cowboy. And that's just because I used to bust everybody's head on Madden with Tampa Bay and that defense. So that's a whole other story. But – Gruden comes in. Gruden adds a just a little more, little bit more of a uptick to that offense because they never had one of the greatest offenses in the world. But he innovated that offense enough to go along with that defense, and that's what really got him over the hump. I mean, he had Brad Johnson actually looking like a at times like a really good quarterback. Um, you know, the, the Keenan McCardells, you know. Uh, you know, the Michael Pittman, it, sometimes it takes a coach a new perspective to add on to what's already made. So can we say he won it with somebody else's team? Yeah, you could probably say that. You could probably say that. But in the case of, of, of Tony Dungy, Tony Dungy to me has never been an offensive mind. So I'm not 100% sure that that team – would have gotten to the Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl if he was coaching, if they didn't change some things offensively. That's, that's just my take on it. Word. And I feel the I same way. That. I feel the same way about I feel the same way about Toronto. That's all I'm saying with with, with Casey. That, that's all I'm saying with Casey. How we got to this point is he. I, I would have never fired him, especially not what he was able. You know, with what he was able to do with the teams he was losing to. But what I'm saying is, in this instance. He did lose his job. We get Nick Nurse. Nurse changed some things with this squad and was entry had a, a big hand in even the acquisition that they made, which was big. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this though. Do you, mm-hmm. in your in your opinion, Nick Nurse with Demar Rosen or Casey with Leonard? Which one was a better better look? Which one would have been a better look? You said, "Oh, you talking about?" So you the, said, "Repeat." It. So if you, if you kept, if you kept the squad, if you kept the Toronto squad the way they were, and added Nick Nurse, or if you made the move for Kawhi uh, and Danny Green and kept kept Dwayne Casey, which one would have worked out better? That's a good question. We don't know what it would have worked out better, but I will say this. I'll go back to what I've been saying, you know, earlier in this podcast, right? It wasn't just that move. Even though we look, we know the Kawhi thing was the move. We know the Kawhi thing was the move. That's, I don't think anybody can ever dispute that. Now, do they make does, – does Casey make the same move with Pascal Siakam if he has that squad? We don't know. We just can only right. credit – Nick Nurse was doing that. We don't know. Does Messiah Jury pull the trigger? I don't know his relationship 
with Dwayne Casey. But does he pull the trigger on adding a Mark Gasol who was an intricate part of what they did? I already I've already read and I also saw that uh what's your boy Ian uh not Ian Rapper. Rapper. Might have been Rick Buecher. No, it wasn't Ian Rappaport. I think I might think I might be talking about uh it wasn't Ian Begley. It might be Rick Buecher. One of them had already reported it was a reputable okay. person that already reported and I had also read it that your jury consulted with Nick Nurse about his feelings about Mark Gasol. I don't have the intel to know your jury and Dwayne Casey's relationship to say what he consulted on him or anything like that at all. You see what I'm saying? I, I don't know. So, but if I'm just going by what I'm saying, yeah, Kawhi is the thing in this. We all understand Kawhi was the main reason this went down. I just don't know if Dwayne Casey makes some of the moves that Nick Nurse did. Um, and the first one, of course, is Pascal Siakam. Right. I don't know. Fair enough. Yep. So that's all I got, man. Um, you got anything? Man. We went 75 minutes, 76 minutes. I said 27 of them talked about the Lakers and Anthony Davis. So this is a great podcast in my personal opinion. I think it was wonderful, (laughs) and I hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, Of course, holler at me on Twitter at Smitty Source or uh, Instagram, Source underscore Escosta, E-S-H-K-O-S-H-K-A. And as always, join us on Facebook, the Sports Blog Podcast, SBP. Check out the group. Jump on in. Add a friend or two. And uh, we get it popping just like we did today. For sure. And I'm going to get up out of here once again. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Source, I don't know what you're doing later while you're sipping on that cherry wheat, but we do get uh, on the WNBA side, we get Seattle and Connecticut today at 3.30. I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm going to dip out here and get me something to eat, but I'll be back in tow with some cold devil's backbone by the time that hits. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but as always, I'm your boy Prime. Source told you. Join us on Facebook, the Sports Bar Podcast, SVP. And you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at PrimeSBK. And I do want to thank our caller, Tom, for some great insight. I'm pretty sure after the summer or later into the summer, we probably talk to him again um, on Lakers News. But until next time, SBP, y'all, we up out here. Happy Father's Day.